Uh, today I'm speaking with Lenore Skenazy. Uh, Lenore is, uh, she works for, uh, I guess you run the organizations Let Grow and Free Range Kids? Well, I'm president of Let Grow, which is a nonprofit that grew out of Free Range Kids, which is the movement I started about 10 years ago. Okay. Um, so if you want to tell people a little bit about the background of those organizations, what you guys do, and then we can maybe go from there. Sure. Um, so Free Range Kids began when our younger son, who was nine, started asking me and my husband if we would uh, take him someplace he'd never been before here in New York City, where we live, and let him find his own way home by subway. This is dearest wish. We let him. I wrote a column about it because I'm a columnist by trade, newspaper gal. And uh, two days after why I let my nine-year-old ride the subway alone appeared in the New York Sun, I was on the Today Show, MSNBC, Fox News, and NPR defending my parenting decision. And uh, eventually, I got known as America's Worst Mom, which you can Google. Um, but really, all I wanted to say, and that I, um, I started the Free Range Kids blog that weekend to say, is that I love safety. And I believe in helmets and car seats and seat belts and you know, I can't stop worrying. I'm a worrier by nature. Um, but I still don't think that kids need a security detail every time they leave the house. I think that they deserve some independence. And just saying that was um, music to the ears of a lot of parents who wondered why they were, you know, why they were raising their kids in a way so, so different from the way they were raised. I mean, a lot of us remember, you probably remember this yourself, playing outside, yes? Yeah, playing outside, staying out until the sun went down. You know, right. we'd go trick-or-treating yeah. on our own. I mean, yeah. obviously, like, okay, when we were older, when we were, you know, nine or ten, there's a group of us, you know, there were parents who would go out with, you know, toddlers and stuff, and that makes sense. You know, oh, yeah, a toddler sure, of walking by themselves. But, you know, nine and ten, I think, I mean, I grew up in Montreal. I was taking uh -huh. a subway by myself with my friends. We would go into the city on the weekends by ourselves. eight years old. You know, we'd go somewhere. Oh, wow. And wow. Pretty impressive, actually. And, you know, oh. but, like, none of the parents, this was in the 70s, but none of the parents seemed to have any issue with it. I mean, there was one bus from where we lived to go downtown, and once we were downtown, you know, we were left to our own devices. And we were kids, and we did a lot of stupid things, granted, because we were mm -hmm. kids, mm -hmm. but, mm -hmm. you know, we knew if anything happened, you call the police, you call your parents, you call whatever. There was a group of us. Mm -hmm. I, I, that's one of the things I don't get. I don't get why. All of a sudden, letting a kid who is, you know, let's say 10 or 11 go to the park across the street from your house is a criminal offense. Wow. I just read some survey, actually from England, where they asked kids, what age do you think um, it should be legal to let a child stay home? And the kids themselves said 12. So there's been this real mind shift. I mean, that's like, you know, one third older than you were going out into the city. And that's even to just stay home alone while mom you know, goes and gets, goes shopping or whatever. Um, she said, being a sexist person, I mean, anybody could go shopping. The point is that things really did change. And what we've lost is faith in our kids, faith in our communities, faith in our own parenting. And, and uh, it's, such a, it's such a morass because as we lost faith, um, you know, say you wanted your kid to go outside, then, then there was the possibility that somebody else would yell at you or maybe somebody would dial 911 if they saw a kid at the park or waiting briefly in the car while you went in to get the milk. So it just sort of kept building on itself, this, this new fear and distrust uh, to the point where we are today 
when, you know, letting your kid do something independently is cause for raised eyebrows and sometimes worse. Okay. Now, is this, I mean, like, we've got a huge distrust of expertise to begin with, and I don't want to pile yeah. on that. But, Good. I mean, obviously, <laughs> it's not the kids doing this, right? It's It comes from the parents. And well, no. So that's so interesting. I don't even think it's coming from the parents at this point. I think it's coming from, like I was just saying, this culture. I mean, say you want your kid to walk home from school. There are a bunch of schools I've heard of everywhere from Kentucky to the Tony suburbs of New York City where you're not allowed to get off the bus, whether it's first, second, third grade. Rhode Island wanted to do it until seventh grade unless there is an adult waiting there to walk you home. I, I heard from a mom in Kentucky who wanted her, I think he was a fifth grader, to be able to get off the bus by himself, but the school said no, and um, they said, in fact, three strikes and you're out. Three times that there isn't an adult waiting for them, we're going to call Child Protective Services. And, and twice the kid didn't have anybody waiting for him because the grandfather was supposed to meet him. One time the grandfather's in the bathroom. One time the grandfather didn't know the kid was coming home that day. Now she's facing possible intervention in her family by the authorities simply because she didn't have an adult standing at the bus stop waiting to walk the kid home a block. So we can't blame parents in a society that's gotten not only so worried for kids, but sometimes um, shaming, blaming, and even uh, prosecuting and persecuting parents who take their eyes off their kids. Oh, yeah, okay. At this point, it's not just parents, obviously. It's the state and groups and everything getting involved. But, you know, go back 10 years or 15 years, you know, all the baby books that come out, like how to raise your kids. And I mean, some of them obviously are, are valid, but some of them have, you know, I heard of something today uh, or not mm -hmm. just the other day when I mentioned free range kids and they were like, Oh, you mean talking about just letting your kids, they, the children make all the decisions. The parents make no decisions. Oh, they ask yeah. the kids everything and the kids decide everything that's going to get done, like what they're going to wear, what they're going to eat, what, yeah. you know, I mean like, okay, that's not free range kids. That's insanity. But that's, uh, you know, it's sort of an easy way to mock the movement, I guess, is to pretend that parents have abdicated their entire authority to little kings who run the place. And in fact, you know, people get that wrong from time to time. So when I talk about free-range kids, I'm just talking about almost an old-fashioned way of raising kids where certainly there were expectations and, um, and whatever rules the parents wanted to set, they could set. But it just means that you're not treating the child as if they are um, completely a baby, embryonic, um, long past the time they could be doing things independently. Yeah, okay. I mean, I read something recently. I think it was either you'd shared it or you'd put it out uh, or I think like we'll put it out. It was about, you know, okay, kids making toast, which is not a hard thing to do <laughs> and, and they should make it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember, you know, being seven or eight and then, you know, mm -hmm. You're helping mom and dad in the kitchen, and yeah, that's it. Like, okay, I made toast, or I put butter on toast, or something. And it's like, oh gee, I, I made breakfast, and it's you know, you know, you didn't, and everyone knows you didn't, but it kind of makes you feel good about it. Like, I, I see this in my nephew. Uh, he's a really smart kid, and they go, oh, you know, my sister and uh, my brother-in-law, they they treat him really well, but mm -hmm. he's sheltered. Like he's, yeah, everything is organized. He's not allowed to do stuff on his own, um, and. I mean, I, I look at my sister and my brother-in-law with that as well. I mean, he's got so many activities, and mm -hmm. someone has to take him to every single one of them. Yeah, yeah. see, that's why um, like, we have to go back to the idea of how society is sort of 
forcing helicoptering upon us. Uh, if you wanted, if your nephew wanted to play in the afternoon, go do a pickup baseball game or basketball in the park, and he went over there. I know this because my son used to go over to the park. There's no one there to play with because the kids are in organized activities. Most of the kids his age, or they're at home. Um, because the parents feel it's safer or because they love their electronic devices, which I could certainly understand. And so to, to wish that our kids did exactly what we did, which is, you know, we had kickball games in front of my suburban home when I was growing up, and the sewer was first base. You know, it was just very simple. But that's because there was a, almost a social contract where all the parents thought that this was fine, and nobody thought that, you know, this was either dangerous or perhaps not developmentally rich enough and instead of being at a stupid kickball game they should be learning soccer with a good coach and they check them out on Yelp so it's um you know if you have a whole society organized around after school activities and parents or somebody getting them there and sometimes they're far away because it's you know it's the best karate place in the in the district um it's it's really hard to bring back what we think of as a normal and independent childhood, which is why I started Let Grow, because for 10 years I went around the country lecturing, you know, about free-range kids and why I thought it was a great idea, and people would nod along and, and nostalgically or enthusiastically, whatever, they would say, yes, yes, you're so right, and especially with the crime rate today at an all-time low, we're at a 50-year crime rate, we're back at the rate of 1963, um, so why can't we let our kids outside? But then nothing would actually change. Because you can't be the only parent saying, yes, I'm going to go home and change. And then, you know, you either seem like a kook or there's nobody for your child to play with. Or, you know, you get your kid goes outside and everybody stops him on the way home. Are you okay? Do you want to ride? Are you fine? Yeah. So we really, so, so Let Grow came along. We started Let Grow as a nonprofit to not just change minds, but change behaviors. And if you can change the behavior of an entire group of people, an entire neighborhood, entire group of parents at a school, all at once, then you can really affect change. And, and I can give you a couple of cool examples if you'd like. Yeah, please. Okay. So LECRO has two uh, school initiatives. Everything we do is free because we're a nonprofit. So um, let me just start describe one of the, the, the initiatives, which is called the Let Grow Project. And it is simply this. The teachers send the kids home to do something on their own. That's their homework assignment. You have to go home and do something on your own. And it could be make dinner, uh, walk the dog, get yourself to school tomorrow, um, you know, walk to a friend's house, uh, go, you know, just go run an errand. And this would be something that would be hard for a lot of parents to be the only parent doing. Like if it, I just said to you, you got to do it, or I felt like doing it, it's weird. I mean, my kid is going to be the only one outside. He's going to be alone at a grocery. It just doesn't happen. But if everyone at a school is sending their kids back outside, well, then suddenly it's normal again. And we're not blaming anybody for saying, how come you weren't outside with your kid? Because nobody is, because it's a school project. And what we've heard, I'll just tell you two quick stories from schools that did this project last year. One principal of a, of a K-5 through school told me that she was driving home, this is in suburban Long Island, um, a week after the kids had all done their Let Grow project. So it was over. And um, but she was driving the same route that she always takes through these sort of back streets. And she saw a couple of kids on bikes and a kid on um, roller skates and a kid on a skateboard. And she said in 17 years of being the principal of that school, she'd never seen kids outside unsupervised before. So that was what, how little it took to sort of break the ice and bring the kids back outside. 
And then um, at a, in a neighborhood in Connecticut that had also done the Let Grow project, a boy went to the local market. I think it's kind of a small suburb. And um, he was buying something. And everybody at the store was like, where's his mom? Why is he alone? This is so strange. And so one of the staff asked him, hey, kid, where, what are you doing here by yourself? And he said, oh, I'm doing my Let Grow project. And they're like, okay, what's the Let Grow project? And he said, well, our homework is we have to go do something on our own. I decided I would come to the store and get whatever he got, a muffin or whatever. And they're like, all right. But then after that, other kids started coming in. And after a while, it, it didn't even merit a second look. It was like, oh, it's another Let Grow kid. Oh, a Let Grow kid. Because that's what I'm talking about. If you have a community that brings back the idea that kids can be competent, can be outside, can be part of the world again, then you bring it back, but you can't do it one by one, and you can't look at, you know, your nephew or your, your brother-in-law or sister-in-law and think, why aren't they bucking the mold? They're, they're going along with the social norms, as we all are. So Let Grow is trying to change the social norms by sort of foisting behavior upon parents by making it, you know, a school project. Yeah, I mean, okay, I was thinking, like, along those lines. Because, as you mentioned, it's it's not just one parent, it's, you know, it's the police it's the government mm -hmm. it's the, the community everything but if you if there was community things like okay let's say you did a community garden but you put a section of that garden aside and it's okay this section is the kids section and you let the kids go in there plant whatever they want to plant you know obviously make sure there's no teenagers growing pot in there or something but you know like plant what they want to plant let it grow let them take care of it and let I mean, grow yeah, well, no but that's just it too like i mean you have parents there you have adults there at one side yeah, no, I kids. love the idea. Actually, it's something I hadn't thought of. I love the idea of a kids section of a community garden, or maybe even a community garden that is just for kids someplace. Yeah, what but, a what a know, cool idea! But I mean, it's it gets neighborhood kids in there. It gets, but I, yeah. I, mean, I was thinking things yeah. along those lines. Letting I, I love that. I mean, that's something I'm actually going to start suggesting. <laughs> cool. Oh, uh, well, thank you. Uh, but yeah, I know. I mean, like I said, I I think it's. I mean, I just okay. Obviously, I can't just tell my sister and my brother-in-law, and you know. At the same time, too, it's not my kid. I don't want to, you know. But what I'm saying is they, they don't have that much choice. I mean, you know, you live in a society. If we lived in rural Tajikistan, our kids would be, you know, riding bareback horses at age three and learning to train eagles. I mean, you just, you know, there's, there's different <laughs> okay. places have different things that kids are expected to do and parents are expected to do. Well, okay. And it's, it's hard to buck the system. You don't have to go that far. I mean, I used to live up until October, I was living up in northern Canada in an Inuit mm. And I mean, the little kids there, the summer there, depending how far north you are, is, you know, 22 to mm -hmm. 24 hours. There's kids wow. out all wow. the time. They're, 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 they're always in groups, and, you know, the groups mm -hmm. can range. Obviously, you're not going to have, like, 18-year-olds with 6-year-olds, but it could be, you know, 10 to 6, you know, 12 mm -hmm. to 6, that kind of thing. And, like, there's groups in the run, you know, they all play. They're, it's, it's not like gangs of kids running around. It's like, you know, little groups of kids no, playing it's, here, it's, playing it's there. it's like our old yeah. groups of friends. How lovely. And it's, wow. you know, obviously, there's, okay, there's other issues up there that, you know, I don't want to get into that, that but, you know, the, the kids are at least allowed to be kids. And, mm -hmm. okay, up there, too, it's a lot of subsistence hunting and stuff. So, you know, wow. they, they get a lot more, obviously, they're, okay, the village, it's not like you have to go from the village to the woods, you're in the woods. But, you know, so, mm -hmm. I mean, they, they get a lot of, like, outdoor stuff. It's So, they do learn a lot of independence. I mean, these are other little things. Like, I remember, okay, we grew up in the city, but my parents, mm -hmm. you know, they were lucky enough, they were able to send us to summer camp, uh, you know. Mm -hmm. Where we lived in Montreal, it was like a little suburb, 
that was just south of Montreal was its own island. And ah. so we could go fishing there in the winter oh from one God, end of the great. island to the other end. We could we would cross-country ski between the buildings and go from ah. one of the island to the other end, picking up our friends all along the way. Wait, we have to pause. This is how all Americans think of all Canadians. But go on. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, but, I mean, like, oh, that's... For that's skiing, they're playing hockey. Yeah, but, but that's what we were doing, right? I mean, and it was... Our parents knew that... I mean, they, they gave us... They put trust in us. Right, And if right. we didn't live up to it, then, you know, okay, we lost our freedom. Mm-hmm. But as long as we showed that we were trustworthy, and it wasn't the fact that, okay, something's, you know, I had a bicycle spoke go through my, or a bicycle pedal go through my leg because, <clears throat> you know, we were doing stupid stuff and taking jumps we shouldn't have been taking. But right. as soon as that happened, you know, one of the one of my friends went and got an adult and, you know, the other mm-hmm. ones, like, stayed around me and everything was in care. Yes, my parents were upset. It was, you know, their parents, I was hurt, but. Uh-huh. It wasn't they let, didn't let me out again. They they knew that you know okay, the kids know what to do, and I, I think that's that's I, that's my biggest take on this is you're not letting kids show show you that they can do stuff. Right, and of course you you can't show a parent or an adult that you can do stuff until you're allowed to do it, and and in fact sometimes you do it wrong, like that stupid jump you took, and that's called learning. I mean, it's painful, but learning is often painful. And, and there's a reason you remember it, and it's remembered because it was, you know, it was a touch point in your childhood. And when you don't let kids have any of these experiences, um, you know, you're sort of taking out a crucial ingredient of growing up, which is the scrapes, the betrayals, the fears, the risks, the triumphs that make you into a person, uh, as opposed to into, you know, sort of a vessel being filled with stuff by, you know, your parents. So it's, yeah, I mean, there's it, also like the, it doesn't like, seem fair to the kids to yeah. take all that out. Yeah. I mean like building a tree house or something or anything like that. Like, you know, all the mistakes you made, you're learning from them. And I mean, like you just said it, we were, we're giving, we're robbing the kids of a lot of learning experiences. And I mean, right. so yeah. let me tell you the one other thing that Let Grow is doing in the schools that's also free um, that harkens back to what you saw when you were in northern Canada, which is groups of mixed-age kids together doing stuff, making something happen. And so that's rare these days, strangely enough, because kids are in, you know, after-school activities. If you're in T-ball, it's for kids age three and four, and if you're in Little League, it's kids who are seven and eight, and the, the three-year-olds and the eight-year-olds are not mixing. The eight-year-olds and the 16-year-olds never meet. And so and we have a, a project called the Let Grow Play Club where after school, a school stays open for free play. And um, and that's for all the different age kids together. And you put out junk like uh, cardboard boxes and balls and traffic cones and tape. And they just make things happen. Some kids will be playing ball. Some kids will be making a fort. And it is an approximation of what you saw up north of, you know, the, the six-year-old is helped by the 10-year-old who holds the, you know, who holds something steady for him. It's just when we've done studies of these clubs where all the kids are playing together and there's no interference unless there's something disastrous, sort of like a, a lifeguard would jump in in a pool, but otherwise the lifeguard is not involved. Same at the, at the Let Grow Play Club. There's an adult there, but not getting involved. Um, one of the things that the kids, the older kids, loved the most, without mentioning it by name, was empathy. They said, oh, I really liked, you know, 
uh, helping the little kids, or I really liked coming up with a game for them, or my favorite thing is when I saw a kid standing by herself and I got her involved in a game. And, you know, when do you have even a chance to develop your empathy if you're only with kids your age, that you're going to, you know, that it, it doesn't even, if you don't have a six-year-old to give a piggyback ride to because you're always around the 12-year-olds, well, you're not developing that kind of empathy. Yeah, but I mean, I, I get the same time, too. You're not developing an idea of what the other thinks, right? I mean, okay, so it could mm -hmm. be a group of, you know, eight to 10-year-olds, right? First, and then, you know, 11 to 13, something like that. But they only know what those people, and it's, they're growing up with the same peer group. That's, that's their peer mm -hmm. group. That's all they know. You know, you don't know, okay, some of the things you learned, you know, like uh, I saw hash for the first time when I was 10 because my friend's older brother showed it to us. You know, maybe I mm -hmm. shouldn't have learned that, yes. but, <laughs> okay. but, you know, I mean, like, you know, our, our, our friend's older brothers would take us to the, the CFL games or when the Expos were in Montreal, we, you know, we were, I was young when they were there, we'd go to the Expos game. So you mm -hmm. always had that, you had, you know, you're showing, okay, look after the Showing them the world, yeah. yeah. But you're, yeah. Also look, you're, you're also learning to, okay, show that to the people a little bit younger than you, like give them a little bit of, you know, give them a little bit of leeway to screw up and not catch the ball or whatever, right? Yes, no, you're, you're, you're hitting on something that's very true. Um, one of the founders of Let Grow is a man named Dr. Peter Gray, G-R-A-Y, um, who has spent his entire career, he's a professor emeritus now, meaning he's retired, studying play. And he said that mixed-age play is something that is, it's, it's crucial. It's, it's been part of human existence for as long as there have been people, and before that, apes. And what you get is exactly that. You get the, you know, the 10-year-old, he says that, for instance, a bunch of seven-year-olds playing together cannot play cards. They just can't get their act together. But if you have seven-year-olds playing with ten-year-olds, the game can go on because the ten-year-olds keep saying, hold up your cards, you're showing me your cards, or don't throw that out, that's the best card. And so the ten-year-olds are learning how to explain the game and how to sort of mature into a role of you know, teacher-mentor. And the seven-year-olds are awed that they're with these really cool old kids who already know how to play gin rummy, so they hold themselves a little straighter and they pay attention. And, and that is extremely deep learning for everyone, from the older kids teaching young ones and vice versa. We tend to think that education is just when there's an adult in front of a group of kids telling them something that they don't already know. But education is whenever you're, you're drinking things in. And what you were just talking about before, like the older kids taking the younger kids to see a CFL game, is... Like, this is what it feels like to be an adult. This is what it means to be responsible. Oh, my God, he was about to run into the street. I had to stop him. Gosh, that means that my parents must have had to do that with me, too. I mean, there's just so much information coming into you and so much growth that to take that out of kids' lives and only give them the sort of spoon-fed education that we seem to believe in where you're in a class and somebody is teaching you something, whether they're teaching you lacrosse or ceramics or Mandarin, is, is really um, forgetting that, that learning doesn't only occur when an adult is tasked with teaching a younger child something specific. Okay, just one little thing. I, I know you've kind of touched on this, but would this go back to, let's say, the mid to late 80s when a lot of this stuff happened, especially like you know, the whole just say no to drugs? I don't have a it's, it's hard to pinpoint when all this changed, and there are so many different factors, but the 80s was certainly a time when things were starting to change, and, 
here in the United States, it was, I don't know the same thing in Canada, but in the mid-80s, um, they started putting pictures of missing children on milk cartons. Did they do that up there? Yeah, but, but that's kind yeah. of what I was getting at. It was, it was stuff like that, but it was also stuff like, okay, we want to get kids off drugs, so they need something to do after school, so we're going to have supervision. Mm -hmm. So the supervision thing came in, and then you had the danger right. thing of kids going missing, and right. then that got mixed and it, and it wasn't that more kids were going missing. It it's that, um, advertising. you know... Their pictures were put on milk cartons, and all, and most of the time, those kids were runaways or children abducted by the, the non-custodial parent in a divorce. But it started seeming like the minute you let your kid out of the house, they're going to be abducted by a stranger, and everybody started talking about stranger danger. And I think you're right. I think the idea of kids coming home with a latch key, um, which happened more and more as, as women went back to work, um, also probably got people worried about, you know, what are they doing with that free time? So it was a lot of things. I mean, you know, the media got more intense then. We got cable television, and then after that came the Internet. You have an expert culture telling you everything you're doing is wrong. You have, um, you know, often smaller families, and two parents are earning, and so that's more money per kid that can be spent. And it, and it gets spent because the marketplace figures out that those dollars are sitting there and comes up with something to worry you about and then says, but you don't have to worry anymore because here's this product. So... You know, it's never just one thing. Um, I think you've touched on a bunch. Yeah, I know. I realize it. It's, there's, there's no one smoking gun. It's just like a lot of things. Because that's what I love. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I hear people say, "Oh, we have to do this to fix this problem," I'm like, "No, there's. I mean, you know, that whatever you're fixing was there to fix two other problems or three other problems. Mm -hmm. and right, you take right, away right. That one thing. Right, the unintended consequences. Right. Yeah, and it's it's. But I mean, there's. There's so many little things, and it's. Uh, I saw something yesterday that just made me, or a couple of days ago, someone tweeted it, and I saw it. It made me laugh. <laughs> it was uh, something That's about organized better. play for your pets, and I'm like, really? Wow. Okay. Wow. I, 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 I don't get it for the kids either. Like these play date things. Like play okay. is play. When you organize it, it's no longer really play. I mean, it's yeah. Okay, if it's, it's babies, they're just You're doing right. whatever. Yeah. But. Yeah, but um. That's, that's, once again, just uh, what we're seeing is a lot of organization, a lot of top-down management of pets and people. And it doesn't surprise me that there's an organized play group for, for uh, pets. I just hope they don't have to learn their letters. <laughs> oh, but, I mean, it's, you know, it's, I, like, I don't want to keep you too long because I know you said you had uh, you're, you're running long. Got to run, yeah. yep. But um, just, I'll give you the last word on this. If you have anything else, like, if you want to, if people want to donate or help or anything like that. And I'll put the links in the description if you want to go ahead. Oh, thank you. Yeah, um, well, we're always looking for people um, who want to feel a little less worried all the time about giving their kids some more independence. So our website is called letgrow.org. So that's L-E-T-G-R-O-W.org. And um, there's stuff there that you'll like. Uh, there's a friend finder that if you want to find a, a similar family to yours with kids about the same age or maybe different like we were talking about, you can put in your postal code and uh, it will help you find nearby families. There's a section on laws if you're interested in trying to pass a law that says it's not negligence to let your kids play outside or walk to school. Um, there's a there's a, a section called, uh, what's it called? Oh, it's called really? Question mark. And it examines some of the popular myths about childhood for instance the idea that children that, that today is more dangerous time than when we were growing up and there's graphs and charts that show you that it's not 
And then there's simply, um, on Facebook, we have a page called No More Helicopter Parents, the Let Grow Support Group. If you look up No More Helicopter, I think it'll come up. And that's a great page where people can just talk to each other if they have questions. Um, like, I want my seven-year-old to play outside, but he doesn't want to get up on the couch. What should I do? Or is it okay for my four-year-old to be in the backyard without me watching? So it's just a place for a nice conversation with like-minded people trying to grope their way out of our fear-based society and into uh, a brighter day. Well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I've been following you for a bit, and I, I'm i not a parent or anything. I have nephews and nieces, and mm -hmm. but it's, I'm just concerned about seeing kids growing up, and it's like, that's why I think what's going on in college is they don't know how to deal with the stuff they're seeing. But thank you again. I, I think what you're doing is amazing. And I, oh, hope, thank you. I, I hope more people pick up on it. And thank you everyone for listening. I'll be back.